All right. Welcome. We're live. This is the second episode of Cigars with Marines. And a uh, quick warning for all you civilians out there, this is a, not a show for you. Turn it off. <laughs> Bad words are the least of your concerns. So filth. not for you. Yeah. Lots of filth. Yeah. I mean, two Marines in one spot is not going to. So that's your warning. That's the only warning you're going to get, I think. Uh, but for everyone else, for all the Marines out there, hey, the whole point is just to come together, to share good times, talk about some of the fun stories, remember some of the hilarious things that went on, smoke a cigar. And then the second part, we're just going to talk about what we did when we got out, you know? So, because um, that's that's all about that too, you know? What you do when you in? What you do when you get out? So that's it. So Will Tagey yes. is my guest. Welcome, sir. Thank you. It's good to be here. Welcome. Um, why don't you uh, say hi? Introduce yourself. Sure. So my name is Will Tagey. I was uh, 0311 from 95 to 99. A little infantry action. I like and that. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, separated and now uh, just kind of living the life in the uh, civilian world. Still still doing work for the Gov, though. Um, ancillary. Cool. We'll get into a little bit more depth later on, though. Cool. And I forgot. The smoking light is lit. So we can light these puppies up. Uh, you picked this one out here. This is a, uh, what would you call this? My father. The, uh, my father brand. yeah and it's uh they're pretty old school they've been around for a while and um i think the father started it but these are the sons now that are uh that are running the business okay. so they uh cool. it's a good smoke solid Sweet. good company in fact when i showed it downstairs one of the guys said that he was pretty sure this was everyone everyone at home is like what's that if you're not watching, if you're just listening, that pause is uh, these cigars being uh, turned on. It's a smoking lamp, man. Smoking just lamp came on. is lit. Yeah, so it's a uh, um, one of the higher ranked cigars this year. So I just tried it. I, I saw it. I thought it looked a little funky. I like the Lancero. It's, uh, it reminds me of the villains in the old cowboy movies. Usually had a long, skinny cigar. So Eastwood, did he have a long one? Cigar that is. <laughs> I could just take a bad turn. We told we, told, we already warned people, so it's okay. Um, yeah, I think usually a little bit smaller, almost like a cigarello. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you know, it had this yeah. weird um, aqua-colored thing on the end. Yeah, I've seen that before. I'm a I'm a sucker for good marketing. I'm sure you can appreciate marketing. That. But um, I mean, band, you know, names, even just not just the brand name, but the the product line name, how it's advertised, all this little fun stuff is. Um, I'm just a total sucker for it. So you know, it's kind of like yeah, buying cigars can be. If you don't know, it can be like what buying cigars, buying wine, right? What label do you like? Yeah, this thing looks good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so it had two stickers and a little ribbony thing at two the stick. end. It's so. it got the blue ribbon. It was first. Oh, is that what that is? For sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? All right. So, o three eleven. Now we're talking. I like this. I like this. So. Take us back. Take us, you know, take us back. Tell me, uh, you know, East Coast, West Coast? East Coast. Okay. Yeah. Um, grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, um, nice. Left, 18, you know, graduated from high school, went in, uh, went in Paris Island, went in the Marine Corps, and Security Force Marine. So, oh. uh, went through uh, School of Infantry and then went to Chesapeake for um, Security Force School. From there, I was uh, stationed in Diego Garcia, which probably nobody knows where it is. Heard it? I don't know where it's <clears> at, though. Where is that at? It's, uh, I believe it was five degrees south of the equator, 
North or South? I'm not sure. No. Um, in the Indian Ocean. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's a British Indian Ocean territory. So the Brits own it. Okay. Um, but there's some, uh, it's one of the, low, like the third or fourth landing site for the space shuttle. And there's some other like satellite tracking and other things there. So it's kind of a strategic location. There's some bombings that during the, the first Gulf War, some bombings right now there, possibly in the last uh, or the current conflict as well. But uh, so I was there for... This sounds like a sweet location. Uh, you know what? The it, equator? It, I mean, we, it was like Fantasy Island without yeah. all the beautiful women. Yeah, but, not like Temptation Island. No. <laughs> yeah, have you seen that? No. There's a new show on right now, Temptation Island. Uh, five couples who <laughs> want to like, put, uh, put their uh, relationship to the test. Oh, that's a good AKA idea. they should have broken up already, mm-hmm. but they decide they go on this island and there's 15 like good looking of the opposite sex for both of them. Yeah, skanky. Skanky peeps. Yeah. You know, I checked it out on YouTube. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was funny. Anyways, continue. You're, yeah. you're on Temptation Island I'm on Temptation with a bunch Island, of Marines. With a bunch of dudes. And uh, <laughs> you know what? It, you say that. And I remember when I landed and I went, you know, we went to the E-Club the first time, grabbed some chow, checking in, going through the whole thing. And there's um, there's a large Navy contingent there as well. And um, and then there's Brits. And it's all Brit Royal Marines. It's all dudes that are there as well. Okay. But uh, like day one, I'm there and I'm like, mm, I've seen three girls and they're, you know, they're threes. They're pretty rough. Dude, a month, they're tens, right? Okay. And it's just, okay. you know, it's it's all about supply and demand, right? Like they say so. heart, um, distance makes the heart grow fonder or mm-hmm. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're on this island. It was great weather. I mean, as long as Beautiful. you're not on the sleeves rolled down or some BS like no, that, because, no, 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 no. you know, first sergeant's like some regulation. No, it was pre, pre all that. Okay, um, cool. So we had sleeves up. Um, the Navy folks are actually rocking shorts, so short, <laughs> like jean <laughs> shorts. <laughs> they're rocking jorts. And, um, Were they like a, a uniform issued shorts? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, one, one of these days we'll have a producer here with us who can like pull up a, an image mm-hmm. of jorts, you know, for us. Sailor now, jorts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were there and then um, the Kobar Towers were bombed in Saudi, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. So it was mm. uh, Air Force barracks. Um, that would have been. Sucks. It does suck, but that would have been like August, maybe I think July, August time frame. Okay, and um, and by October we were PCSing to uh, Bahrain, so the entire company got stood down, moved to Bahrain, and stayed at um, you know right. We ended up. I was I was at the Manai Plaza, but everybody else was on kind of the base providing force protection. Fast Company went in first, established the security uh, perimeter kind of put up some temporary posts, sandbags and whatnot. And then, you know, within a month we were there replacing them in place. So shit. Yeah, it was, um, let me get this straight. Some asshole blows up something in Saudi Arabia and then you get pulled off temptation Island. Yes. Damn. But I mean, it was, it was temptation Island, but it was boring. The, so the, the Island, if you look it up, you Google it, it's 26 miles long. It's shaped like a U and the average width is a hundred meters. So it's this, yeah, it's got this, it looks like a sperm, right? So you got the head of the sperm here and then the tail comes all the way down and up and around and there's a lagoon in the middle. Everything's on this like tiny little spot up here and there's nothing. And so it was, you know, we'd go to the field. It was just training constantly, right? you know? And, um, so it wasn't a bad thing at the time to go do something kind of exciting, you know, um, hindsight, you know, the, the wisdom of age tells me that. I should have enjoyed it a lot more than I did. <laughs> sure. But uh, it was good times. I mean, it was, it. how many people have been there? It's a, it was an amazing environment. What's it called again? 
Diego Garcia. Diego Garcia. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a cigar. It does sound like They should cigar. make a cigar called that. They should. There's a, it, It's a pretty cool place. There's maritime prepositioning there as well. So you, you get a, like a group of like motley sailors come in, like legit sailors, right. you know, come in, not, not Navy folks, but dudes oh, okay. that are like <laughs> sailors by job. Don't want to mess with them. Kind of, yeah. well, maybe you'll still mess with them. But. Totally squared away on the boat, but when they get off, they're usually a hot mess, you know, oh, so sure. they were, and they were all good dudes, you know, sure. we had, we had yeah. good times. Good. Um, so there went to Bahrain, was in Bahrain for about nine months. And, um, that was, what's the, where's that? Is that Saudi Arabia? That's like in tip of Saudi Arabia or no, it's right off the coast. So it's, okay. um, I think it's like two miles from Saudi Arabia or a mile from Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. Um, huge oil refining capabilities. Got it. And, um, so it's strategic. They're actually one of our best, uh, um, allies as a nation in that region. So, oh. um, I was just reading something recently that, you know, we want to, we're really fostering and maintaining that relationship because they are so important strategically because of their refinement capabilities, but also, um, you know, they have America's best interests or align with theirs. So okay. they're like supportive of Israel. They're, sure, sure. you know, kind of what you don't expect, but they're Sunni controlled with a Shia majority that is, you know, not as well off as the Sunnis uh, are. Gotcha. But um, so there's some political unrest that we were dealing with when we were there. Right. Um, and shout that, out to Bahrain. Shout out to Bahrain. BPS, Bahrain Public Security, you guys are doing a great job. Um, and there, so any of the any of the unrest that we saw was primarily political in nature. So it was, you know, they would set off propane tanks with car tires around it. So it just ah, makes shit. a massive amount of noise, but not a whole lot of shrapnel mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, there were some car bombs that went off near the end of my time there. Uh, but none of it was like U.S. focused. It was all against the the Sunni. Oh, internal. Yeah, Shia Sunni. Yeah, sucks. Fun. Um, but it was so, you know, it was good. We set up posts. It was a lot of, you know, four on, eight off. Going to react, four on, going to back Four up. on? kind of wimpy shit is that? <laughs> four on. Eight off? Oh, well, the eight off, and then you go back to on the four. Then you go back on the four. Okay. And so when you're on it's React, weird, yeah. in React, you're still in your camis. You can't, yeah, you can't yeah, change yeah. out, right? And then back up, you're actually allowed to go to back to your room or wherever mm-hmm. and wherever you're staged. And then um, and you go back on. We do that for three days on, one day off, constant. And so you're also doing working parties and drilling on React. So there was games games no sleep right you know like maybe eight hours but then every Field time day. every time there's a drill you're getting up as backup you have to wake up to so the first two three months that we were there it was ridiculous like legit no sleep because we're building posts you know, oh, so filling sandbags, sandbags digging mortar pits and those digging. sandbags man i'll tell you what they fill up and they get they get heavy quick they do get heavy quick it gets old quick yeah <laughs> so but that was i mean that was that it was a good uh, Some time ago though right what's what years um, that would have been from 96, probably October 96, I think is when I got there. Okay. Until, um, yeah, so nine months later, then would that be like July time frame? I think I came back. Okay. So June, July. So you didn't have all that high speed, you know, HESCO barrier type. Uh, no, none of that. Assistance fun. that I, I had. No, none <laughs> of that. It was sandbags. It was Jersey barriers. Um, Legit. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I mean, it yeah. was a good experience. And nothing, you know, the, the, the challenge of force protection is that the more boring it is, the more successful you are. True. Right? If you're doing a great job, it sucks. True. You know, and you're bored out of your mind trying to stay asleep or trying to keep from falling asleep. Yeah, that's one of the biggest dangers, right? I mean, you know, oh, yeah. on the news, you might see, you know, or civilians might see, you know, something happening across a whole country. 
but for a local area, it might be once a week or, or less. Sure. And then the real battle is staying awake and staying on, you know, staying ready to go mm-hmm. for, for the 99 other percent of the time. Absolutely. Remaining vigilant, right? Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Easier said than done. I mean, for coffee sure. goes so far. I mean, mm-hmm. Red Bull probably saved my life a couple of times. You know, honestly, keeping me awake. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's it's the boring side of it that I don't think everyone gets. You know, the hurry up and wait. That that hurry up and wait in training is pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's ninety nine percent boredom mm-hmm. and like point one percent absolute. It, granted, right? I got out in ninety nine, so sure, I'm sure. pretty yeah, yeah. conflict, right? But everybody that I've talked to, you know, I worked when we get into it post military. I worked for the, I worked for the DOD for yeah, oh yeah, we'll get about nine that. years yeah, afterwards, yeah. and um, it was. Everybody I talked to that had been in, you know, in something legit is like, it sucks. And then it's just mayhem. Right. Right. And it may not even be for very long, but it, the coming down then off of that and the recovery and trying yeah. to get back into it is the challenge. So, um, so yeah, so Bahrain, leave Bahrain and go to Quantico, Virginia at the basic school, just kind of, you know, infantry yeah, school TBS, for right? officers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right on. Yeah. So I was there as an enlisted instructor. I finished out my tour there and, um, and then separated from the Marine Corps. So, Training future officers. Okay. Question for you then. Sure. What's the funniest experience or the funniest thing that happened to you in the Marine Corps or um, that you man, observed? Funniest thing that happened to me in the Marine yeah. Corps outside yeah. of boot camp because boot camp is just kind of ridiculous. Well, you can do both. So boot camp stories are. All right. So my favorite boot camp this is horrible. And I hope this, I can't remember the guy's name. And even if I could, I probably wouldn't release it. But, <laughs> and this is old, old core. Yeah. So, so this, uh, is, this is before my time. <laughs> this is drop day. All right. So everybody knows drop day, right? You get there, you get on the yellow footprints, yellow footprints yeah. you go through processing, you're with your little like three or four days. Depends if you're a lead company or a follow company, right? Um, you're, you're True. there and it's, Kind of low stress. It's stressful compared to home, but it's low stress compared to what you expected it to be. And um, and then there's drop day. You go sit down in your squad bay. Your drill instructors come out. Your company commander oh, introduces they, them. Yeah. And then yeah, the way that. it the way it went down when I was there was company commander turns to the senior drill instructor and says, "Senior drill instructor, take charge of your troops, right? Or, right. or yep. your recruits, probably, right?" And then he's like, "Hi, sir." Right. And, um, <laughs> as soon as the, the captain walks out and that door shuts, yeah. it's like mayhem. Yes. Right. And they're like, get online. Right. Uh, All that. And you turn around and the rest of the company's drill instructors are behind you. And you're like, ah, you're getting on your laundry number, right? And you're oh, there and they're geez. like, show me four socks, show me four socks. And you're dumping all your shit out. And you're trying to find it and everything's figuring out. And so you get through that mayhem, the mayhem. Yeah. It's you get through fun looking back, but back then it's like, what oh, it's high stress. Is going what on. Everyone's yelling at you. You don't know what the hell's going on. Oh my on. god! Oh my god! This wasn't like it was yesterday, right? Yeah. And, and so we get through that, and then you have your health and wellness inspection, right? I don't know if you they did this yeah, for you yeah. either, oh, but yeah. it's yeah, company yeah. commander comes back, stand there naked. You got your towel, you hold it out, <laughs> and you turn around. And you say, "This recruit is is something, physically something and mentally and emotionally healthy, or something like that." Ready for yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Like, and did you have to hold your hands out and like turn around in a circle? Yeah, you held your towel. Yeah. You said they're naked and you had to turn around in a circle. Yeah. Which I found out was um later on, after you do all those fucking sit-ups with the the you get the I'm I don't know if you got the the raspberry on your tailbone from doing sit-ups. Uh probably. I don't Yeah, I, yeah. It would it'd be memorable. It's like usually everybody had this bloody fucking sore oh, on the geez. bottom of their tailbone. And geez. I think it's where the old camis had there's a seam there are two seams oh. that joined like your pocket seam and that's so there's a, a big thick seam right there. i had new camis so god bless the new camis there you go that's natick mass so right? old camis would create 
this everybody from sit-ups. Oh. You get this nasty raspberry on, on right on the top of your ass crack, right? And um, yeah. and so that's why they did it is to make sure nobody's getting like cellulitis in their ass. Right. right. So um, in cellulitis, well, we don't time. have to teach you one because no civilians have gotten this far, hopefully. Turn it off. <laughs> it's not for you. But yeah, the whole cellulitis thing. Uh, it was definitely the, the threat for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it, it wasn't so much the raspberries, but there are a couple guys in our group that blisters, right? Uh, blister, no, uh, did like the athlete's foot thing and it got up higher and higher and higher cause they were using the same towel on their feet <sighs> and then they got up, you know, yeah, on, on the bad areas. And so that's yeah, not a good place yeah, to have it. Bad, bad day for those guys. Um, yeah. And then like massive rashes and stuff, mm-hmm. but okay. So you know, health wellness inspection is where you're at. Yeah. So I look over and um, you hear the drone instructors going like, Oh my God, you are. And then, you know, this guy recruit goes, you know, I'm not, you are not well, you are not well. You need to get in that daggone shower right now, right now. Right. They start going crazy. And the dude shit himself. Like, so when they did drop day, so he's naked, he's naked now. Cause you have to just take off your stuff in and stay front of line. the company command and the company command. He has shit all over his ass and down his legs oh, from shit. the shock of turning. And right. He, he didn't complete boot camp, Um, and it was, it was really kind of sad in reality, you know, and it was, you know, he was the guy who's always last. We were playing stupid fuck, fuck games because of him. Oh, and, geez. but it's like, the poor fucking kid from day one. If you shit yourself at drop day, like they should pull you off the sign and be like, are you sure That's this is really why you're weird, here? man? That's he just really... freaked out and shit himself. It was fight or flight, man. Ah, fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, man. Yeah. Crazy. Right. And he, uh, so later on talking to him, the poor kid, it was just his parents made him join because they didn't think he was tough enough. So like, of all the places yeah. you could send your kids, that's it. Child abuse 101. Do not send your child into the Marine Corps if they're not suited because they need to toughen up. Not and, a good step. And 102 is don't tell them they can't join the Marine Corps because then they will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he would have. <laughs> I think he literally was like, you're going to go join the Marine Corps. What's the Marine Corps? You need it. You're weak. And it was just the poor kid. Um you know, couldn't shoot. I mean, it's just like classic. Uh, the classic from the movies kind of thing, right? For sure. Yeah. Just struggling, 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 then finally got dropped. and um, Recycled probably? I mean, they don't give anyone I think back. he refused to train, ultimately, uh, in, uh, at, uh, oh, what do they call it? Your weapons training post-rifle range A something? I can't remember. It's been a long time, like 20 years. I got a time. lot of acronyms in my head. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. But okay, so is that, then that's an experience. Mm. Jeez, it would have um, been when you guys probably went through the crucible. It's like when you're out doing that stuff. Yeah. The, during that time frame, I was pre-crucible. So okay. um, it was during that. And he just stood up one day and refused to train. And then they demonstrated what happens when you do that. Do you ever have anyone run away? No. Did you? Yeah. Where did they go? There's yeah. swamps everywhere. Yeah. Were you East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. Okay. Swamps. Fuck that. No, but no. So, um, but there's one. So forever, there's like one road into Paris Island, mm-hmm. at least that I know of. I think there's only one. Um, and that's the one that bus takes. What is an island? So there probably is only it one. It is an island, and they're not going to build nine bridges. So there's this one bridge into Paris Island, and uh, I'm preaching the choir here, but whatever. Um, so And we're all putting our heads down, so mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know the layout of the base. Mm-hmm. Um, some kids, maybe if their parents were military, I didn't. So even when Parents' Day came around, all that stuff, or, or time to graduate. I've like never seen the whole base. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until recently I did a, a triathlon on Paris Island. I got to see like the base 
because I'd, cool. I'd never, yeah, we'll talk about that. But, um, so I'd never seen it. Um, but yeah, there's this one road in and out this guy, I don't remember his name or anything. But I remember that, um, he was gone. So in the morning, uh, he's gone and the drill instructors are like, shit. I, oh yeah. I, I lost one. They're probably like tearing into fire watches, but they're also like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy yeah, shit. I think, yeah. I think he had, so he had a fire watch or something. And that's how he turned it around. Oh, he had a fire watch. I think maybe he never opened to the next guy. I don't know. But somehow he got out and and like hiked all the way to that bridge mm-hmm. and was walking a lot, got around some guard post and was like walking the road out when someone go, Oh, look, there's, there's a young guy in camis <laughs> with walking no on the side of the road. <laughs> Uh, and a funny in, and, a, and a funny tan on the back of his head. Yeah, in a weird proximity to Paris Island, where you know, and so the yeah. guy was like some gunny or something. You know, picked him up, um, gave him a ride back to Paris Island. Yeah, and, it was nice of him. But you know what? He was on I don't know, blue light watch. Did you have that? Anyway, oh yeah, suicidal Marines or um, or the guys going to run away. You'd stay up all night with blue light on your. I don't know why we did that. On your moonbeam. You're on your moonbeam. <laughs> Boot camp it. stories. Um, so yeah, and we're uh and I remember I had to stay up and watch this kid. And you know, like I understand you got your own journey, but because you did that, now two other Marines and we still had Firewatch, like two Marines mm-hmm. on Firewatch, and now we had two other Marines on Blue Light Watch on this kid to make sure he stayed in bed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, now you just burdened mm-hmm. two other people with that but um, yeah same kid the poor kid that that yeah. had that he was we put him on he was on blue watch as well so i mean it's some people are cut out for it. i mean it's it it's hard when i don't know if you had the experience but people are like oh you were in the marines oh man that must have been hard and it's like well yeah but i like or how was boot camp it must have been hard you know something like that i'm yeah. like well i finished right so yeah, it survived yeah, yeah it was it was challenging it <laughs> sure, wasn't a sure. good time but it's not like insurmountable right you know so i don't right. think it's not impossible yeah but i think when you go through you can't it's hard for you to turn around and look and say you know really this there's what 150,000 active marines roughly oh, and okay. i believe that's the right number i wouldn't know these don't numbers. fact check me yeah um invisible producer fact check us that's right that's um but so not everybody's doing it right. And not everybody right. makes it. So right. it, you do yeah, have yeah. to, it's the few and the proud for a reason. So you have to acknowledge that. And I think it's, um, it's easy to dismiss the challenge that it really was if you accomplished it. You know, I liked it. I don't know if that makes me weird, but <clears throat> it was like this pure experience where, um, you know, I tell people like, Hey, when else do you have a chance to, without your electronics, without all your obligations, Sleep, eat, work out, and shoot guns. You know, there's something to it. I think it was like a very pure experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think, once again, hindsight, I didn't appreciate what it was for what it was. I think all I was focused on and and might have been a byproduct. I had a great recruiter, first of all. So I had a recruiter who didn't bullshit me about anything. Great, meaning he he lied better than everyone else, or no, he didn't lie. He's like, like, even I was like, he was an infantry guy. Um, the only reason he was a recruiter is because he blew out his Achilles in the field. Damn. So they were like, he was going, he had his um, his path, we'll say, to go to be a drill instructor, blew out yeah. his Achilles. And they're like, no, dude, you're going to, your B-Billet is now a recruiter, right? Ooh. So, but he was like, 
what do you want to do? You know, like I scored well in the ASVAB and everything. And what's funny also is almost everybody I met that was an infantry. There was yeah. a few that weren't, but the vast majority did well on their ASVAB, right? Sure, he's like, sure, infantry, sure. why do you want to be infantry? You could be, you know, this or you could be that, right? Right. And, uh, and I'm like, no. And he's like, he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yes, it's going to suck. It's horrible. It's going to yeah. be cold. You know, so like just not bullshitting, but embraced it and loved it. Yeah. So um, great dude. The guy who replaced him was fucking all of the other recruits' girlfriends. So, like, you're legit stereotypical shitbag recruiter. The guy that replaced him. Yeah, replaced Because, you know, that sounds like an outstanding Marine right there. He probably got a page <laughs> 11 and sent, sent to cook school for being too honest. I, yeah, right. <laughs> no, he did. Well, no, everybody loved him, right? So, he I, hit his yeah. numbers oh, and good, he had good, 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 you know, we had good pulleys and everything. But, um, so, I wasn't, all he said is, like, you got to get through boot camp. You got to get through boot camp. You got to get, so, I think when I went in, and if anybody listening is going in, the Marines or has a siblings going to the Marines, like focus on boot camp. It's important. It's a major challenge, but don't let them get so focused that when they finish, they're like, holy shit, I have, you know, three years and nine months more of other similar shit. Like make them understand that boot camp is the introduction to yeah. the, to the culture, right? Like it gets better. Learn to learn to embrace it. Learn to, yeah. to embrace the suck, learn to yeah. enjoy the challenge. Yep. And we, I mean, this could take us down a whole other path. Yeah, I we got about. hours of tape here. Right on. We don't even have tape, so, um, you know. But it's, I, think, I think that it's a beautiful thing because I think culture as a whole, this may segue into the little, little, later on, you know, what we do now you know, stuff. philosophies or whatever, but oh, yeah. it's our society is too focused on easy. Yes. Every, like making things easier, yes. making things simpler. And the problem is, is that without challenge, there's no growth. Yep. Right. And without challenge, there's no, when you do succeed, there's no appreciation for it. Right. So I think if, if people going in can take that mentality to where they're saying, you know, this is going to be tough, this may suck, blah, 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 you know, all of that stuff. But at the end of it, I'm going to grow, I'm going to be a better person and I'm going to appreciate what I did because if you're just focused on surviving and you're not focused on thriving and learning then I think you miss out on a lot of the, the growth opportunity and a lot of the change that, you know, the, the, the dynamic nature of what boot camp is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, hindsight, you're right. It's 2020. I was probably trying to survive too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess sorry, it just, I don't know. It, it, it I'm kinda, not, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying volunteer for everything. Right? No, I'm not yeah. saying make your life horrible, we, but what I'm saying is don't try to, to hide, sandbags. right? Whatever I can do just to hide. And I remember, yeah. <laughs> I'll <laughs> exactly. <do it>. Yeah. <laughs> My, one of the, one of the worst times I had is I remember I was, I was slack ass, uh, slack assing out and we were doing mountain climbers. I wasn't counting or something. Yes. I didn't know what it was and I was yes. just mouthing the words and I totally got nailed by one of my drill instructors and he just fucking thrashed me. Yes. That's one story. My other death story from boot camp is, um, not a big fan of running. Never was, what? you know, not then, never was, could do it, could get through. <laughs> I was a turtle, not a hair, not a snail, yeah. right? So I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Did you have the turtles? The, it was the hares, the turtles. And I think the snails were the worst runners. Oh, was it? Some, yeah. And it was based on your runtime, right? Oh, so I was okay. like an eight minute mile guy. So like a 24 PFT. Yeah. It would not be a hair. No, no. Those were like your eighteens, right? Your, your hundred PFT years. And, um, and so they're like road guards. Right for one of our runs when we were out and out in the field, and I was like, right here because those <laughs> it was a company run. The company runs by, they get in the truck, right? So I'm like, sweet, I'm getting out, I'm not going to have to run. And uh, well, drill instructor Sergeant Daniels is a smart man and looked at me and was what like, up, all right, Teji, and he's like, gets me in, and we start fucking running, right? 
And instead of peeling off, I think they usually peel off in the back. He starts peeling off from the front, but I'm in the back of the line, right? So we go through this whole thing. It's a three-mile run. And he's like, they're going to catch us. They're going to catch us. Keep going. And he just has the road guards stay. They usually get picked up. And then when you're on your way back, yeah. you post more. You didn't post more. You just had those guys stay the whole time. Yeah. So I'm hauling ass. And I'm yeah. literally, when I'm running, I'm like, I'm going to shit my pants. Like, I have no muscle control anymore. I'm just moving. All I'm trying to do is just, just keep up and not man. fall out. That's all I'm trying to do is not fall out. What was the threat if you fell out? I would just get thrashed. I mean, we were okay. front road guards, right? right? Yeah. And I'm there and the drill instructor's like, hurry up, yeah, hurry yeah. up. They're going to catch us. If they catch us, you're all fucking da 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 right? Whatever. Or freaking, right? Because they don't swear anymore. This is kind of gentler Marine Corps. Even okay. then. I, I'm pretty sure they swear. Our drill instructors never swore. Freaking. Yeah, maybe they did. Freaking daggone. 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 Freaking. Hey. Hey, nasty. Get your freaking hey, bag on. Hey. Nasty self over here. <laughs> you should like, like, oh my, oh my like God. a daily practice to talk like a drill instructor. Just yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah. So, so I literally getting, think I'm going to shit my pants. You're running. running your ass off. Running my ass off. And we finish. And he's like, congratulations, recruits. You all ran a sub 18 minute three mile. And I'm like, I dying right even yeah. after we're finished like red face I'm all puffy and I can tell my eyes like I'm all swollen yeah and I went through in the winter so it was cold too when we were running uh, cold as, as cold as Paris Island can be but um, was that like 80 <laughs> I know right there's uh there was actually <laughs> snow so it was cold okay wait 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 snow on there was Paris some Island? like dusting of snow what in the mornings the? yeah so it was freezing cold went through and um and I remember he was like how are you recruiting like he full-on knew knew I was trying to fucking <laughs> skate out <laughs> and uh, and nailed me, but it was good times. That, you know, um, right on day one, they they were like, "Who's gone to college? Who, who's gone to college?" And I had, and and so they're like, "Okay, good, you're the scribe." So I, I almost I felt like for the first part, I was also one of the older guys there because you know I decided mm-hmm. probably in like my, my mid twenties, like, "Hey, that'd be a good idea," <laughs> and um, I noticed that all the older guys got like medically dropped. So I started out being like the fourth oldest. By the time we graduated, I was like the oldest. And these uh, guys were calling me like Smedley Butler, old man in the Marine Corps <laughs> and stuff. But and I was like 24 and they're calling me like old man. It's really mm-hmm. weird. Um, but I feel like they were there. I don't say taking it easy on me, but maybe they were, they were working on the discipline guys first. But it wasn't until uh, I think there's like three phases, third, you know, second, third phase. It's almost like they had a meeting and they were like, okay, cool. Scribe weak ass bitch like we're gonna we're gonna work on him it's so i just remember like the heat got cranked up on me at a particular point and did not stop and um and yeah it was like it got real but i uh, for me one of one of the times is i got kidnapped by uh, a drill instructor from another platoon and who like drove me to his squad bay and the whole squad's there and he's like smoked me on the quarter deck in front of that they don't even know who this is. This is me. And I'm like getting like blown up and there's no senior. There's no one that actually owns me mm-hmm. to like call it, call yeah, it like deck. save you. No one's to save me. <laughs> yeah. I was just, Hey, Hey, you come here. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> you know, like, Holy you know, shit. kidnapped. And then eventually I was returned to my squad. But, um, but yeah, you know, to your earlier point, you know, the struggle, um, is, is you know, nothing like a good workout is the one you remember or nothing like a good challenge or that, that, you know, that hump that, you know, broke everyone that can really bond people. So I think, you know, over some of the other branches, even, you know, when you have it really rough, you can like really bond with people. Hey, you know, Greg Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit, which I'm sure plenty of people know what that is. is, You know, he said, 
um, you know, equal parts, misery and laughter build camaraderie. Right. So when you have that, and I think you see totally, you see that amongst the recruits, right? Everybody's suffering, but everybody's also laughing about it later on. And there's jokes yeah. to be had, you know? Yeah. 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 And, um, that's what forms, that's the forge that you have to go through, right. To, you know, to form the, uh, to form the weapon at the back and on the back end. And, um, it, there's definitely something there. And I mean, even if you look at it now, like Spartan races, all yeah. this shit wouldn't exist yeah. if there wasn't something to make people proud of what they did. Right? right. It sucks. It's difficult, but I can get through it. It's achievable. And right. now I'm kind of a badass cause not everybody did it. And yeah. I just finished, yeah. you know, so, yeah. um, there's definitely something there. And I mean, even like kind of circling back, right. Society and our culture has gotten so easy. It is so easy, physically easy for everybody here listening that you will spend your time, your most finite resource and your money making your life physically challenging to be healthy. Yeah. Just think about that. When you go to a gym, you're spending time and money. And oh, by the way, you earn money with your time, right? So doubling up on time just to make your life difficult enough so that you can be healthy. Right. Right. So right. I think the physical challenge aspect of what you see now, what's becoming more popular now in society is based on the fact that people realize at a subconscious, maybe primal level that life is too fucking easy. You don't have to grow you your food anymore like, all you don't of civilization fucking, it was always about getting enough food it was survival right and now it's there's too much food it's it's consumption yeah that's that's weird but yeah the struggle the struggle and yeah deep getting deep here in cigars and marine that's what happens when you get into these uh my father cigars here man you just you know the, the further we get on this thing the more deep we get but so okay you had some struggles um okay f- funny times outside of boot camp i know i knew you were gonna ask me that and i was yeah. trying to think of one yeah um more crazy time hardest time something mem- so we had stick out, you know memories so we had a marine when i was at quantico um whose name will not be mentioned was busted for being an escort on his off time he would get dressed in his dress blues and go out on like dates and so forth and the challenge was that it wasn't always females. Oh, okay. That's so, what, that's what, because, because other than that, that, I was thinking wrong with that. But when I was in. Yeah. But no, I was thinking, you know, most Marines would hear that and go, all right, yeah. a little extra pay. Well, that's what, when we found that out. PFC I was, pay is not so, not so rich. Yeah. When know? everybody found out, I'm like, they're like, well, first of all, that dude. And then second of all, okay. And then we were like, well. Was he like a good looking mm, guy? I don't know if that's mm, weird. Kind of normal. Just normal looking dude. Just normal dude. But he wasn't, that sounds like an entrepreneur right there. I would say he was, he was enterprising he was and man leveraging. His, so he got uh, busted, huh? He got caught being an escort by like cops out in the city. Uh, well, his first sergeant. Hey, uh, gotta- I, you know, I don't know how he got caught. I just knew he yeah. was in our squad and we had to go me and the, wow. I was kind of first team leader and the squad leader had to go and go have a talk with him and go bring him talk. in. Yeah. Is that like a page 11 thing or a <laughs> that was a, he just kind of went away. So I don't oh. even know the outcome of it, but yeah. I mean, he was soliciting being paid for it. It was, you know, it's, it's illegal. How would you even do that? Like, I don't know if Craigslist was around back no, then. No, no. Yahoo message boards. I don't know, mm-hmm. but okay. So that, that's stood out for you. AOL probably at that time. AOL. <laughs> Seriously. USMC 1999. Absolutely. Oh right? man, man. Time flies. Okay. So, some crazy guys. So that's probably the craziest thing. I mean, yeah. other than that, I mean, I, I was, um, there were some funny stories with lieutenants, nothing, you know, like crack up hysterical or anything like yeah, that, yeah. where we'd be out and, uh, they would be in their, 
Um, they were in the just the basic school itself. They had a one-week war, and then the IOC officers had a two-week war. Okay. And, um, yeah, yeah, you were training officers. And I remember at one point, um, what we would do is if we would infiltrate their lines when they're on the defense, if we killed them, we'd take their bars from their collars. Oh. That's how you knew who was killed, right? They yeah. had no rank. And, um, and we snuck oh, in on them, and it was shitty. It was rainy. It was yeah. near the end of their war, like probably like 70% of the way through, like day five. I can't remember if it was IOC or, or the um, – or the the just the basic school guys and um like go up to a sleeping bag like oh. lieutenant and he does the dude doesn't even do anything he just puts his hand out it was all like snug down on him puts his hand out with his fucking rank <laughs> <laughs> and just goes right back to sleep <laughs> like no shit's given and uh here's my rank yeah i'm done i'm gonna get some i don't care now do you know you what happens if you fail that evolution um well i don't think they really fail because usually those guys get like a down for that one sure well they rank each other too that was Uh, the thing that's crazy so um cool and i don't know if it still goes this way but the way the basic school went was you were um you were there was ranking you had tests and things like that and the the instructors the officer instructors rank you but they also had class ranking based on how much like and it got got brutal right if you didn't go to somebody's cookout maybe they said you weren't a good team player oh shit oh yeah Legit. Politics, baby. But then they took the whole ranking, they broke them into three sections, right? And the and the way you chose your MOS is if you were first in the first group, yeah, went first. The second person to go was the first person in the second group. The third person was the first person in the third group. Oh, so there are people that would be like, maybe I bomb this test and it drops me from the bottom of the first group <laughs> into the top of the second group. Man, that's some crafty. That's cr- that's almost I don't want to be infantry, me. right? Or yeah. I don't want to be uh, aviation supply, or I don't want to be whatever you know, whatever the MOS that they were trying to dodge. So you always knew there's a lot of gamesmanship there, and then you always knew the guys who had um, flight contracts because whenever they were in the field, they wore racquetball goggles because if they scratch you, you get an eye injury. That fast mover contract is gone, brother. Oh, so oh, you can always tell the the pilots they just they were always like buttoned up tight, like nothing's going to hit them in the eye, nothing's going to mess up their game. Yeah, yeah. You go from a guaranteed flight slot to like infantry logistics. <laughs> no, worse, right? Like, like oh, uh, God, supply. Yeah. Well, imagine if you had a flight contract, and you ended up aviation supply, right? Like oh, that's yeah. just got to be the most be mentally. Dude. Right, you're around yeah. your goal. You're around all the cool guys you wanted to be, <laughs> and then you're like, hand them fucking a new yep. pair of skivvies, or like, here's a new flight suit because you have so many hours in a fucking, you know, Hornet. <laughs> Sorry, that would be bad. That I'm sure it's brutal. happened. Oh, for sure, absolutely, I'm sure it's happened. Okay, so man, it reminds me of those videos you see of like the Ranger School documentaries where the guys laying down and the drill instructor like steals his rifle and he's like, "So what's up?" It's like I wasn't sleeping. So sergeant, he's like, well, yeah, where's your rifle at? He's like, it's over here. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping on duty. Absolutely. We had a, you know, same thing. You got kidnapped. You know, we had guys try to steal our rifles and we had, did you have shelter halves? Shelter halves. What do you, what, what's that? A shelter half is a two man tent. Each person carries one half and a three section pole. It's made off canvas. Oh uh, no, no. We had like legit they get, tents. They get snapped together <laughs> and you dig a trench and you have oh. to fill it. So that was, that was our tents that we were in. And you Sounds can't touch legit. them if it's raining. If you touch it, it starts leaking because it's just the canvas right, swells and right becomes through. Water, yeah. Right? Oh wow. That's so, legit, man. Man, you're you're old school. A little bit, yeah. yeah that's cool. Um, I like that. Pre Marpat, right? There's none of that. Oh yeah, none of that high speed woodland. Stuff. Yeah. Um. So we were out and uh, somebody tried to grab my bunkmate's rifle when we were out in the field and uh, and it woke him up and he like pulled it back and we just started 
punching at whatever this body was on the other side of the of the uh, of the shelter half, right? Just like pummeling it, kicking it and stuff like that, and, like grabbing his arm, punching his arm, hitting it. And um, the next day, we're out in formation, and the platoon next to us, you know, you have your rival platoon. Yeah. And uh, I was 2068, it was 2069 was our rival platoon. And um, you just see one of the drill instructors just fucking eyeballing everybody, like, which one was it? Which one, <laughs> of, you, <laughs> which one of you assholes was, like, kicking the shit out of me and not letting me have my hand back? Taking a free to shot through that canvas. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Sorry, I thought it was the bad guy. Didn't realize no. it was Hey, man, I'm just protecting my rifle and my bunkmate. That's it, man. Did you name your rifles? Uh, no. Mm-mm. That was one of those things. Like, hey, give it a name. It always gets you in trouble because what do you name it, you know? Yeah, what? Yeah. You're supposed to name it after like ex-girlfriends, current girlfriends, wives, lovers. May they never meet. Master Commander. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Cool. This sounds like good stuff. Good. So security, you said security forces? Or? Security forces, yeah. So were you, does that mean you were? Uh, not MSG. Like, not, but you, were you like, um, the gate guard then at that point? Um, yeah. So it's force protection. So yeah, external, force protection. Right, right. external security. Um, I was a DM when I was in, um, in, I didn't go to DM school. The group that? that came in after us designated marksman. So it's kind of <sighs> like if you ask a DM what DM school is like, they will say it's urban sniping, oh. but um, which is a pretty sexy name, but it's Sounds much more good. marksmanship and um, counter like counter observation. And um, and primarily for urban environments, although okay. I'm sure there's some DM activities in woodland environments sure. as well. But, um, but I was an expert shooter, so before we had DMs that went through DM school, I got put in that position. And then when the next group, Wave of Marines, came into Bahrain, um, we had some guys that went through DM school too, and they were awesome because they were giving us like, you know, training on if you're shooting you know, from an elevated position, you shoot lower than you would normally would you aim at the, like the knees to oh, really? how high you are yeah because yeah, yeah. the arc of the bullet right oh, so the arc, yeah. if you're aiming down it's going to arc and hit higher so um oh, just shit. simple you know just kind of simple things like that and gauging wind and you know and, and all that kind of like advanced marksmanship type right, stuff because you're never going to have that straight on shot like at boot no, camp you know 300 yards straight on no i mean no, i was on a up, roof down you know yeah, so Roof right, of like right. a ten-story building. Yeah. So everything that we did was was elevated, or at least that I did. So it was um it was a pretty cool gig, but you know you were talking about Red Bulls keeping you alive. Yeah. You yeah. Know, keeping you from falling asleep. What did you have? Uh, we just pound water. So that was the we got you know the big bottles of water that you guys probably got too when you're in the Middle East. Yeah. Before I, I don't know if you guys had like water treatment plants or well, something like that. Waters were like Nestle, With, but like the big bottles, right? Uh. Think, uh, yeah, we had little bottles. Whatever. When we were over there, they gave us, Big instead bottles. of having our canteens or whatever, they just would have a cooler at every, because it's an established post. Sure, right? sure. So on the roof, there's a cooler, and it was just filled with water bottles, because barring gets fucking hot, and, yeah. it's, and it's humid. Oh, it's an humid. Island, so it's like oh, 80% okay. humidity. Okay. And, um, and you would, so I was pre, you guys had the IOTV vest, right? You had the the more yeah, advanced. Your, your, uh, your recall of, of those abbreviations is outstanding well there's a reason outstanding yeah we're gonna get to that reason <laughs> right absolutely um but so i had the old flak jacket right closes in front and a flap over and you would sweat was this the uh like the uh, it was kind of like a woodland yes uh old school yeah, yeah. some of us still had that too you know yeah. until we got the tan ones yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. that's what you know not over the head none of that stuff no quick release no oh, that fun the stuff spartan ones the yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing. Yeah. This is old, old school. school. Yeah. And um, on a four-hour shift, you would sweat through it. Like, so the outside of it, not from dripping, but it would penetrate through. There's like 28 layers of Kevlar in that. So you're sweating <laughs> through all of that in four hours. 
And, um, and all you would do to stay awake is you just pound fucking water until you had to piss. And then you would wait as long as you possibly could because having to piss is what would keep you awake. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, well, you know, good old trusty water. Yeah. Um, for us, we were driving around in uh, Humvees and we had a cooler in the Humvee Hmm. and we'd for sure have water in there. Um, but we'd also, uh, people got creative, you know, you got to like, you know, improvise, right? Improvise, mm-hmm. adapt. And so we're like, oh, we have a cooler. We could put more things. So guys would go to the exchange or whatnot, get those little uh, Starbucks cappuccino cans mm-hmm. and uh, little Red Bulls. You know, I wasn't even a Red Bull guy It's a whole this. different military when he gets Starbucks in, in the combat zone. <laughs> yeah, but they were like, it was milk. So I didn't usually get those because it was like, you know, milk and a hot, ugh. but um, but the Red Bull, man. Yeah, I just remember those. But I would always sip it because it's just so powerful. Yeah. You know? What's that? Isn't there Rip It? Wasn't that the the Rip It the military? Um, and that wasn't made by the military, but it was carried on post a lot. I heard a lot of guys talking about some pretty actually I heard some pretty funny Rip It jokes as well, where guys would race to see if they could drink like five Rip It's in oh, a row, and like shotgunning Rip It's. Jeez, no. By the time and I was in, it's Robitussin. Really. Yeah, but not on not on duty. <laughs> no, these guys. There's one of my buddies had a great story, but he, like literally. They were they were on React, and um, you know, guy met. I wouldn't say tight buddy, but a guy I met, and he was telling the story about. Um, they were on React, and um, they thought they were going to get stood down, and so oh. they're like, "All right, you guys are good. Nothing, you know, nobody's going out or whatever." <laughs> and uh, and so they decided to fucking race, shotgunning these rippets, oh, and um, and he then they call him back up, of course, after he finishes like his third one, and he's like, "I'm going to." explosively shit my pants because of these <laughs> things and so they go i can't remember what the the situation was but yeah, all i know is yeah. he was like like had to like when the area was secure like shuffle off to the side and just shit his brains out and one of the senior guys comes <laughs> over and was like what the fuck is that smell he's like i don't know, sir. I don't know. <laughs> no impact no <laughs> like idea he's like you know hiding behind the humvee just like shitting oh, massive man. explosive diarrhea caffeine um, it taketh and it giveth and it, it, all those things. You got, there's just, it's a whole different, I'm sure you, right. It's a whole different mentality. It's a whole different culture, you know, acceptability that the, the tomfoolery that exists, um, at least from what I've heard is far different, you know, and even, um, even where we were, where it wasn't active combat, it was just, there was high threat level, you know, threat condition, uh, Charlie the whole time. Sure, we were sure. in ba- in yep. Yeah. And so, but it's just like, you got to blow off stress one way yes. or another, you know, and yes. it's usually through tomfoolery, you know, yeah. hijinks. And it's the humor that, um, yes. And it's humor that no one really understands mm-hmm. that they're not in, you know, not in the Marines for sure. That's why this, this show is cigars with the Marines. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just make it like cigars with veterans or something, but, um, you know, there's something about Marines and that, in that humor and like shooting the shit together and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you make fun of everybody. And yeah. in fact, if you didn't like someone, you didn't make fun of them. Yeah, they don't matter. You didn't even talk to them. They don't matter. But if you like someone, you make fun of them constantly. It's not yeah. you knew someone liked you. They're like, yep. oh, yeah, that Cheshire guy? Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and there's plenty. I had plenty of targets. I was, yeah, plenty of things to make fun of each other. But yeah, you're right. It was that, it's kind of like that, that dark. Um, it's gallows humor. Yeah, that's, that's the word. Yeah, that's the word. Gallows humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, um, it, you... You see it, and it even carries over. So one of my best friends is a Marine as well, and um, he's engaged my sister, like his family, practically, um, godparent okay, to my to kids. And uh, we were cleaning out my parents' house and um, just finding like some ridiculousness, right? And 
we were joking about it. Like we found like old, like an old starfish tuna fish packet that was like swollen and we're like, eat it. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and just because like the, the guys like, process, no, no, no. you're like, uh, I'll give you five bucks if you eat exactly, that. Exactly, right? He's like, nah, ten. There's always somebody in the group that would eat it for ten. Oh fuck that! You know? They're crazy. Yeah, and the <laughs> thing is, you know, maybe the first dude, but the second person who eats it is one you really need to worry about. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, uh, so we were joking about. It. My sister got upset. She's like, "You guys are making fun of mom and dad and stuff like that." You know, that was she didn't say it. That's what she was alluding to right, her right. her frustration with us, and um. And so we ended up having, he ended up talking to her later on like, no, 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 you got to, you don't understand. Like this is, this is a processing technique that kind of you get in the military when you're sitting outside and it's pouring rain and you're laying in a fucking ambush in training and it sucks and you're going to be there for like five hours and you can't move. Like you have to find humor. It's either laugh or cry. Right. And, and it's just the, the mentality that gets built and developed. And the worse the situation, the worse the humor. Yes. The, like (laughs) the, you know, that rainy situation, that's where NC-17, you know, mm-hmm. rated X movie, the worst stuff you could, you know, stuff that, you know, and you, you got to understand it when you get out, you got to, you got to, you got to have some, some contact with the Marines because it, that humor doesn't, people don't understand that. Out know? of context, it's horrible. Out of context, man. Is my cigar killing you? No, 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 it's mine. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying and, to and keep I'm, it over I'm here. I'm burping and stuff. No. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> character building right yeah so okay right. so cool so that's that was in that was in so yeah so so, so it's time to get out what'd you do um so i when i was separating um a buddy of mine got out a little bit before me and um he was contracted how long are you in four years four years okay yep. so he was contracted to an organization called marine corps systems command and it's a marine corps um, acquisition group. So it's the guys that buy the new stuff that everybody rocks, everybody's wearing comes from this, this acquisition buying. of the cool shit. Exactly. Right. And there was individual equipment, not jets, not, you know, weapons, right, 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 individual. Right. Equipment <laughs> and, um, Try out this F 16 for you. you know, that'd so be cool. cool gear. Right? That's cool. Um, so, uh, it was when the first version of the Molly system was being issued. So you probably had Ilby was your backpack. Yeah. System. yeah. Yeah. But I think we had, was Molly the metal frame one? No, that's Alice. That's Alice. So what was Molly? So Molly was after Alice before Ilby, and it was an external frame, and it had this thing called a probe and socket. So at the bottom of the frame, there's a plastic probe that would click into a socket in the waistband of your 82, 72 gear. 72 gear. So like your vet, you put on your body armor. At this time, you put on your body uh, armor. You put on your webbing gear, right? Your load, yes. ca- your load-bearing vest. And then in the back of that, there was a heavy duty like backpack waist belt bit in. Sure. And then there was a socket that you would plug your rucksack into. Now imagine the loads wow. that you carry trying to get this thing to snap in. And you had to rock it back and it clicked in and then you pull it forward. And so it transferred the weight from your shoulders to your waist. Fantastic idea. Was it? Sounds complicated. Um, uh, well, it was they were trying to figure out how do you tra- how do you actually put the load on the hips was the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but yeah. you have all this other shit that you have to wear. Yeah. So how do you make it work? And it was a, a really good concept. Um, worked when you got it in, it worked, but like in the field and in, you know, in in the shit, it just didn't work. That's why in the hurry. came out. <laughs> sure. You're like trying to get you gotta go, you gotta go and well you gotta practice too, right? I mean, like you have to hit the target, you oh, know? Man. And um you gotta practice your backpack, man. Legit. So my job was I got out and I was a new equipment trainer for the Marine Corps. So for a year, I just traveled around to Marine Corps bases when this was getting issued. And I taught Marines, taught Marines how to wear backpacks, right? 
well, this sounds like a cool job. So, and you got that because, cause I'm, cause we're talking to, you know, people mm-hmm. as they're getting out, can be listening to this and, um, or they gotten out already and they're thinking about like what next, you know, maybe yeah. you got some disability pay, maybe. So how, how did you get connected with this? You had um, a buddy that. Well, I had a buddy who, who, when, when I was in near the end, we were a test group for that pack. Oh. And so he connected with the civilians that were running the test and said like, Hey, how are you going to make sure Marines know how to use this? Yeah. Is there something I can do? This looks cool. I want to help the Marine Corps buy new gear. And so he got out, he did it for a couple months and they realized they needed another trainer. So he brought me on board. And so I was a, I was a, con- a government contractor. I had started my own little business and, um, wait, 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 and- step it back here. You create your own like LLC and stuff, your own biz. Yeah. It was just so uh, like a, a consultant, a DBA, you right? A consultant for the, well, I was, Kind of. They needed to bring me on board, but there was a government hiring freeze. They couldn't bring me on as a GS. Right. So I had to form a DBA and they just did a contract with me to be an, a new equipment trainer. Sweet. Did you get help setting that thing up or? No. How did you set that up? Just fill out some paperwork? Like, you don't even remember? Google. Google. Like, how do I do this? Yeah. You know, I did an LLC a while ago. You just like for New Hampshire, I just went to uh, the business mm-hmm. um, department for New Hampshire. There's two forms. I filled them out and they're like, Hey, congratulations. You got an LLC. Yeah. It was basically the same thing. I was in Virginia at the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so, and they get, I think they gave me a little guidance, you know, and so forth. And they're like, what's your company name going to be and all this good stuff. And, um, and to give you an idea of how like just clueless I was at the time, they're like, what's your name? And I'm like, KG incorporated my last name. And, uh, and they're like, oh, you're incorporated? And I'm like, well, no, it's just the name. Because <laughs> so, I had no idea, right? I didn't know what incorporated I tw- meant. I got 20 employees. That's right, right? Uh, you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm the CEO. How many other employees are there? Get None. a GSA yeah. contract or whatever for a million dollars. Okay, so you formed this uh, consulting you know, effort, and mm-hmm. then you were working with a government contractor to test gear. Yeah. So, well, to train gear, not to test. Oh, to train. To train. I was okay, a new so it's already trainer. coming out. So you're helping train on the Marines. How do you use it? Yep. Cool. As is being issued. So I do that for about a year. Contract is coming up on expiration. It sounds like from all you needed to train. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the group that I was contracting, so I was working in Quantico at Marcar Syscom and Marine Corps Systems Command. And, um, and then, um, but I was contracted to uh, Natick Labs, which is a Natick Mass. Oh, cool. So Natick Labs, for people who don't know, all of your MREs are developed there, all of your new equipment, unless you're in the Air Force. Um, but even the Air Force has ties there, yeah. uniforms, backpacks, body armor, all that stuff, helmets, oh, yeah. everything is developed in Natick Mass. So um, so I was con- that's where my who held my contract, but I was basically working out of Quantico. So at the end of that year, they said, hey, we're going to bring you on as a government employee. Um, and I came up there and I oh, was, okay. uh, I was, a uh, the, my title was, uh, an equipment specialist was my title. And, um, and so I started working for the government and I ended up staying there and kind of moving through the GS ranks. How did you a get different that? Jobs. They just, they liked your work as a contractor? Yeah, they just like, thought I did a good job and they wanted to bring me on as a project. Was there any engineer. politics involved? Like what kind of advice, had, you know, for people? Wanna- well, you got to go to, I mean, if you're looking for a government job, you have to constantly be sourced, uh, uh, scouring, um, fpo.gov, I believe it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, or just Google government jobs, right? Government it's going to take yeah, you yeah, to yeah. the, take you to, I think it, I'm pretty sure it's FPO. Um, but it's federal procurement, oper- not, maybe it's federal, I don't know, but Google government jobs. Yeah. Fed off. I don't know. There's so many different federal, cause I'm in the acquisition field too. And there's all these different acquisition where contracts are posted sure. pages and everything, but, um, go on and just look, you can search and there's, tons of jobs out there you know if you're looking to get into the government 
you know, the government space and still work there. And the beauty of doing that, if you're separating or if you have separated and you, you miss being with the guys, right? I think everybody that I've met that's gotten yes. out, there's a bit of yearning. Like, yes. why did I get out? I mean, I even had, I had a counter Intel package in that I was accepted to go to counter Intel school and I pulled it and got out. And, why? um, uh, there's a lot of reasons, but the kind of just like, fuck this shit. No, I mean, I think in and no judgment, right? No, we no, all, no, we no, all got no. out at some point. Yeah, no, we're going to no, no, no. Ju- I mean, there's nothing that it was. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I got to own it. Right. Cause it was my decision. Yeah. But what happened when I was stationed at Quantico, when I first got there, Marines left the school of Intrigue where they were stationed there. Right. Yeah. But what they found is that they wanted guys that had more experience to come in to train the officers instead of just being like op force. Yeah. Right. So they wanted some, a little bit more hands-on instruction. So what they started doing is it kind of became this place that they would station guys that were like on their way out. Like if they were not going to reenlist, they'd kind of yeah. rotate them back over there. Right. Okay. So there was a little bit of a, I'm getting out of the suck. I hate it. Why do we have to PT? I'm getting out in six months. Why do I have to go on this hike? You know, so there was a bit of, um, that was just kind of the, the mentality that was there. It could be completely different now. You know, well, no, but, it happens. If, you, if, you, if you've had a little too much and you haven't had a break, you start being like, well, fuck this, you know? Um, it, and I kind of, there's two paths, right? There's the people that are like, eh, I'm going to go mm-hmm. become the next rank. And, and the other people are just like, oh, cause that, that's a little bit of what I got too. It's mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, you know, I've, Kind yeah. of had 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 my feel. Yeah, absolutely right, and yeah. and you know hindsight right is always twenty twenty. You can always be like, oh, it wasn't that bad, but maybe I did hate it, you know. Yeah. And and on the and yeah. I think the other piece is we hate it and you love it. Exactly. And sometimes you hate it more than you love it. Sometimes you love it more than you hate it. Exactly. And eh, most of the time you hate it more than you love it. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the the when you're looking back, right? You're always going, I'm always looking back and saying, oh man, if I would have gone counter intel, yeah. I would have gotten on a HEP team, which is what I wanted to do. Yeah. It's a, you know, human, ex- human oh, man, exploitation those are, team. Those, those guys were cool. Man. Well, we worked with them in Bahrain, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, those yeah, guys too. are fucking studs. Yeah, like, that's man. what I want to do. And so. You tell if you're lying by your pulse out of your nose or something. Yeah. Know. They're ninjas, right? Ninja. And they, and they do a pretty cool job. And even they told us, they're like, if you see us, don't talk to us. They had relaxed grooming standards. You know, before if like you see us, don't talk to yeah, us. Yeah, like out in town, they're like, don't talk to us. Don't even acknowledge us because really? they are Canadians, right? And they would go out there and when bad guys are caught doing bad stuff, they were called in or they helped find bad guys that are doing bad stuff. And, um, and so I'm like, that's what I want to do. Now, the Sounds thing sick. is, you do that on counterintel or I could be sweeping for bugs in the Pentagon, right? Now, imagine being a corporal in the Pentagon, like, ooh. Brutal, right? Because yeah. majors get coffee in the Pentagon. So, <laughs> so if you're a corporal, you don't even rank to get coffee at that point, right? Oh, so it's like the janitor. Exactly, right? And so I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck, what if I go and I end up sweeping for bugs? Like, that's not what I want to do. Now, once again, hindsight being 2020, if I got trained on like, digital espionage i yeah. probably can make a lot of money now yeah <laughs> you know so those Cyber shitty jobs and all that might be pretty cool you might want to yeah. take them because in the future you never know where they're going to go you never know but um but yeah so i um saw that and i had a girlfriend and i and at that time the het teams they were super low on manpower so they literally would get off pump and go on to the next deploying like the next ships that were leaving they were on them and um oh that's yeah yeah and so i was like man i don't know if i want to do that i have this girlfriend what if it turns into something blah 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 blah. all this stupid shit right life (laughs) exactly exactly and um and so i chose not to do it you know i i got out and i got this contract job and my life is totally cool i have no no regrets no no regrets no see that guy with a tattoo it's a classic internet meme 
He's got this tattoo across his chest. It says no regrets. The word is regret, but he, they spelled it regret. So he has bad friends and a bad tattoo artist. Yeah. Or just a good night of drinking. No regret. Hey guys, no regrets. <laughs> Still, you would hope the tattoo artist would be like, you know, that's misspelled, right? You know, that's wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's okay. So you like made the call. Hey, it's, yeah. you know what? You could go one way go the other. I mean, this happens in life all the time, right? You got to pick your path. But sure. Sure. Did you have something lined up when you got out? Well, that was, yeah, I rotated right into that's that cool. role, okay, cool, you know, cool. being the new equipment trainer and then yeah, going on yeah. becoming a GS and, um, and following that path. And so I did that for just about 10 years. The government, government uh, employee. Yep. 10 years. How does that work? Do you, it, cause is it, where's retirement for those guys too? And you have like a GS ranking, just like in, you know, in the ranks, you sure. have a, like a GS rating or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a GS 12 when I transitioned out, I started out as a GS seven or nine. I can't remember. Um, and just you know, through promotion and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, but then, um, 10 a, years. Yeah. Job description came around. You don't look like you've been, you got enough 10 years here and there to, that was nine years ago. Wow. So wow. old school. Old so, school. uh, Velcro USA, everybody knows it, loves it, knows what it sounds like. Um, was looking for somebody to manage their government business. And, um, and I replied and I ended up leaving at that point. And I went and I worked at Velcro, managed their government business. How did business. you find out about that? Um, a, someone at Velcro sent the job uh, description to a coworker at Natick. Got it. And he said like, Hey dude, would you, what do you think about this? Right. You know, so, um, so I applied and at that time I had, um, on the table I had, you know, it's interesting how life works, right? Because sure. when I got out of the Marine Corps, I had some, I had something cool on the table to go do some cool shit, right? Yeah. Go do, you know, counter Intel. And I chose to get out. And yeah. then when I was at Natick, I had um, an opportunity to go to Afghanistan. This would have been 2010, go to Afghanistan. They were trying to help the Afghanis set up their own uniform production capability. Oh, so like wow. make sewing, yeah, cut yeah. and sew factories. And so I was going to be sent to Afghanistan for six months to help, um, help them establish their, their cut and sew textile industry. And I was selected. I was, one of the people going and, um, and I was going through this, you know, interview process. And at the end of it, I just basically said, listen, I need to know today or tomorrow if you're a go for me because I'm either coming to Manchester, New Hampshire, or I'm going to Afghanistan. Right. You know? And so they gave me the offer and I took the offer and, you know, and transitioned. And over. you never know. Cause Afghanistan at that particular time, it could have been really cool or it could have been really shitty, mm-hmm. but that's cool. So you, you went and you joined Velcro. So they're in Manchester. Nobody knew that. Yeah. New Hampshire. Velcro's New Hampshire, baby. Global, hand, global <laughs> headquarters was, uh, was in Manchester, New Hampshire. They had an office in Boston. Are they, they still in Manchester? Yeah. Still in Manchester. Velcro USA. Is global headquarters. Um, well they had, you know, I left a couple of years ago, okay, but they yeah. had an office in Boston and, um, and they just moved it. Shout out to I Velcro. Think, exactly. And they just moved it back to, uh, they closed that Boston office and moved everything back. So I think everything is now back in Manchester. Damn. Yeah, nobody knows. Massive, they're manufacturing, two manufacturing facilities in, in New Hampshire. So if you are looking to get into production, something like that, there's good opportunities with Velcro. They're growing. It's a good company. It's family okay. owned. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, shout out to, if you don't want to deal with Q1 results and hitting, you know, target, <laughs> you know, share prices and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you know, family Privately owned companies aren't a bad way to go. There's there's a lot more 
Um, there's a lot more, in, you know, ment- uh, long-term mentalities, I think, when you get into those. Is Velcro, Not that I know. is that a private company? Privately owned, yeah. Damn, Daddy Velcro is like- It's a family. Raking in the bucks, man. Yeah. Velcro's everywhere. Yeah, they do a lot of good stuff. Damn, but you know what? <clears throat> there's like no Velcro in the Marine Corps. No, there's not. <laughs> it's like there's anti-Velcro. There's a lot in the Army, though. Oh, there is a lot in the Army. Yeah. Stick it, stick it. Hey, where's your American flag? Stick it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So there was, there's in body armor, right? So think about armor. how your body armor is held together. Yeah. It's all held together with a loop. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. I just remember ripping open the body armor yeah. and Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone, if you're trying to hide, it's probably not a good thing to have, but okay. So you joined Velcro. What were you doing for Velcro? Uh, just managing their military business and trying to help the, you know, help their military and government business grow. Um, so I was there for a few years. Then my responsibilities kind of expanded to from just the U.S. to the Americas region as a whole. Yeah. And then um, from there on to kind of some, um, it's called the the industrial business unit. So it was kind of everything that wasn't medical, personal care, or, or automotive. You know, kind of fell into or con, you know actually construction rolled into it at one point as well. So um, I did that for seven years and enjoyed it. You know, and then um, recently transitioned. Well, before we do that, because yep. I know. This this last one is uh, is freaking awesome, uh, but Velcro. So you were like the guy from the military that could speak military, but you could also somehow you learn civilian civvy speak, and you could kind of <laughs> you like the translator. You're like the you know they're like ah we let's tell the military that they can have flowers, and you're like ah they probably don't want flowers, they want you know sure yeah guns and ammo and bombs and stuff. Yeah, well, there's, there was a lot of translating in that direction, but there was also a lot of translating from having the military government experience and going into industry and going into business. Oh, cool. And, you know, we they say things like market research. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we did market research for the government. We'd go find out who makes what, you know, kind of things, but it wasn't to the same extent, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was actually a lot of... Uh, of knowledge that had to be gained on that side, you know, for me to get up to speed and be comfortable in the business world. And, um, you know, another shout out to Velcro is they put me in a, in a, you know, I had the opportunity to pursue and get my MBA. And so I went to Northeastern and, um, and got my MBA while I was there. So, so they hooked you up. Yeah. They, I mean, That's I definitely cool. was very well taken care of. Yeah, um, shout out Velcro. Yeah. And they, you know, I had a lot of other cool opportunities. Like I, I initiated Velcro USA's corporate social responsibility program. Oh, and, um, uh, it's, it's, it was cool. So if you're in New Hampshire, do you have kids? Yep. Are they in school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so have you seen in like second, did you just get the card, the Fisher cats reading challenge? Yeah, read? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was one of our first things we set up a partnership oh, cool. with them and what we, the way we looked at it is, um, and I'm a firm believer in corporate social responsibility, right? I think that it's cool when companies can build their, their community. And what is that for, you know, people? Oh, what does it mean? So it's when a company um, wants to invest in their community or their philanthropic activities, whatever sure. it's going to be, right? And, um, and the way we looked at it was uh, we looked at the history of the company. So Velcro was invented by an engineer who was walking his dog and they got cockleburrs stuck all over their dog and their pant legs. Okay. And he looked at it under a microscope and he was like, hmm, I bet I can do something with this. And so <laughs> he invented a closure that had a hook like a cockleburr has Smart and man. a loop that it clicks into, right? That's a million dollar dog, <clears throat> billion dollar dog right there. For sure, right? Eat that guy some wet food. <laughs> <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting wet food tonight. Um, it's so Filet. So we looked at it and we said education is key and we want to help kids with education. So that everything that we did tied 
to that core premise, right? And so depending on what your company is, I mean, like, look, you look at Tom's shoes, you buy a pair of shoes and they give it to a, you know, a needy, um, buy a pair, give a pair, right? It goes to a needy community. uh, Cool company. Yeah. So we, uh, we started that up. We ended up um, doing the Fisher Cats partnership. We replicated it in Toronto with one of their minor league hockey teams. Um, We did a bunch of just kind of other small stuff, like gave stuff away, set up, you know, some schools ended up getting set up and then it kind of grew from there, you know, the success into a more of a corporate instead of just a regional USA based piece. And, um, and even to the point that the, the corporate and the, the ownership um, connected with this organization called the Cambodian children's fund and it's ccf.org. And if anybody's bored and wants to see like some amazing shit, just this dude, Scott Neeson, who started it, uh, went and visited Cambodia. He was in Phnom Penh. He saw these kids that were living on garbage dumps, like legit yeah, living, not yeah. not just hanging out. Like that's where their house was. They'd put up, like put a tarp over four broken, you know, broomsticks and live on there. And their family was sick and they were all like living horrible lives. Yeah. And, um, and he started this big organization. And so we started a partnership with them, started sponsoring them, um, doing some other stuff. And it even got to when I left, they had opened, um, the, they call it the Crips Nissan, uh, Nissan Academy. And it's a, it's a, like a major school, like one of the most advanced technological schools in Phnom Penh was sponsored by Velcro and with CCF to Shit. help these underprivileged communities. And it's not just like <clears throat> they had a program where they were like, all right, we want these kids to go to school. Yeah. When the parents are like, well, they have to go fucking find garbage so that yeah. we can go sell it to get money. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, if your kids come to school, we'll give you a bag of rice. And then they were like, Smart. then they got water, you know, they have a water filtration system. It was, if your kids come to school, they get a bag of rice and we'll send a little trolley with a giant thing of water and we'll give everybody fresh water every day. And then it became, See, we're going to open a clinic. So smart. if you're sick, you can go, but only if your kid goes to school, right? Yeah. So it became this whole systemic, uh, you know, uh, community function that addressed all of the challenge. I mean, look at Cambodia from the Khmer Rouge is a hot mess, right? Yeah, man. And they had a rough. And they're they're good now, right? Yeah. And yeah. Politically better. they're good, but there's still a lot of, you know, you know, poverty uh, and all that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. and just like, you know, you know, the the secondary and tertiary effects of what happened there. Like everybody has PTSD from the fucked up shit they did and what happened. Yeah. yeah. And um and so it was just really cool to go over there and see a completely different concept and how like like Problem pops up and Scott Neeson's like whack them all. Like, and not just in a super way, it's hey, you have bad living conditions. So we even walked through like some areas where people are living in these shanties, they're falling down, it's just fucking nasty. There's waste everywhere, like yeah. human and not human waste everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And um <clears throat> and he's like, All right, well, we're gonna partner with this other company and they're gonna build houses. And if you have your kids do good in school, and if you're in the program where the moms get to go and sew and make shirts that CCF can then sell and if they get into this other programs, then we'll move you into this house. And it's all for free. Like your kids just have to go to school. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And it's just, it's unbelievable the change and the impact that he's had. And, um, and they, you can sponsor a kid, but they don't let you like, none of the kids are like up for adoption. And if they're in a bad situation, they can come live. They have dormitories for the kids. Good. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. When I was there, I met a girl. And, but you went, uh, to, you went to Cambodia? Yeah. So I got to go visit. Oh, shit. And, um, what was it like? It's ama- it was amazing. It was culture shock, but it was amazing. Yeah. And, um, and so I met this little girl and she came up and we walked in and they're giving us like flowers, like little, almost like lays yeah, that yeah, they yeah. made. Cool. And um, <clears throat> this little girl kind of comes up and she's like kind of skittish at first. And then she comes over and she's like hanging around with us. 
and she starts holding my hand we're walking through and seeing everything and i'm like what's up with this girl she's not like talking or anything like that and she's like she was feral so literally what, a villager mean? feral means wild right so this villager saw her walk out of the jungle when she was like i don't know she's maybe she might have been like five, but they're all malnourished, wow. all these kids. So they're like, they look smaller than they really are. She didn't speak. She doesn't know how to use, use a bathroom. She just like pees and poops on the floor, right? Just started let's keeping clothes on, right? Like completely, oh, imagine completely man. like Tarzan, right? Yeah, that's Tarzan. That's that, like Tarzan stuff. For sure, right? So this wow. girl came out and she was like, she had like, like she was scarred up, like she'd gotten something bad happened to her. And, um, and so she just, you know, that's what they're taking that's what they're saving and they're bringing them in and sending them to school and giving them food and treating them for fucking scabies or whatever the fuck they have and uh, it's just it was amazing it's an amazing organization you know smart of him too because i think a lot of times you know nonprofits, you know they have a good intention like hey i want to help out with x y and z come into a place i'm gonna give everyone jackets or something mm -hmm. but then they don't even have enough food to eat mm -hmm. It's like, look, I'm going to sell my jacket so my family can eat this week. It's not yep. even, you know, so good on them. He's, Scott, you said? Is Scott one, Neeson is his Scott name. Scott Neeson. Good on Scott because he was like, okay, you need the food. We'll tell you what, if your kid comes and works hard in school and doesn't get kicked out, we'll give him a bag of rice. Yeah. So now the parents aren't like, hey, you know, skip that shit, come home, work, find some garbage for the family. It's like, you better go to school and you better learn. Because yeah, we got to eat. And that, and that's what you want. You want the parents to reinforce the right message, you know. Um, and wow, the water, and then everything, dude. But they man, have a clinic, free clinic, yeah, so you can come and get medical treatment, cool. dental cool. treatment. They have um, prenatal care, something that they didn't have really as a whole. Yeah. Um, sponsored different schools, gave um, schools computers, sure. stuff like the local schools gave them computers so that kids could start going to the local school as yeah. well, and. Um, <clears throat> daycare so the parents could go and do real jobs instead of picking garbage yeah um and the thing is is like scott neeson i believe was the executive vice president of marketing for braveheart so he the movie yeah he was from oh, the shit. picture industry he was like the president of sony pictures like europe or something like that and was trained when he went to, to uh to cambodia he was moving from like sony to universal or something like that and in between he was he was going on this kind of trip to go do yoga and, and Buddhism and stuff like that and saw these kids and that's what started it. And he said, one of, you know, one of the best stories I've ever heard, this has nothing to do with Marines, but it's amazing stories. He was um, sitting in Phnom Penh at the Stewie Menchi dump surrounded by these kids living on the dump, trying to figure out how to help them yeah. and his cell phone ring. Okay. And he's got, and he picks it up and it's uh, a manager and the manager's at an airport with a client, an actor a lister client and the client won't get on the private plane because the right food wasn't on the plane, right? So it was catered, but it wasn't the right catered food. And he said, he's on the phone with him. He's like, you know, we'll take care of it. I'm sorry. Can you just get on the plane, you know, and trying to work it out. And the guy goes, listen, Scott, my life's not supposed to be that hard. This is a celebrity, right? a celebrity. My life's not supposed Come to be, on. my life's not supposed to be this hard. Come on, man. He's standing in a dump. <laughs> surrounded yeah. by kids so who are who are waiting for the boulders to come to turn it over yeah. so they can scramble like ants trying to pick Hoping garbage. Not to get parasites. Oh, medical waste, you know, like syringes and stuff like that. Like, well, there's some good ones out there, but did he did he not get on the plane? I don't know. Scott just said his takeaway from it was he knew at that point that he wasn't having a midlife crisis and that <laughs> he really, you know, he really wanted to go and do this. So, yeah. um, so, you know, 
take away from this from when you're if you're talking about a career and you're talking about transition like silly things like people think about corporate social responsibility and all that just some like liberal crap or whatever it is like there's a lot of good being done out there and yeah. there's a lot of good that's good for business as well you know i mean you look at tom shoes right pretty successful warby parker pretty successful and they're building it on a social platform yeah but even the business side like i think sometimes what's really important is when you get out what you really need is your next mission mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you need a mission Absolutely. that you can and you know you got it's the, the gear and the training and you're able to stay involved and that that was cool but you know for a lot of people you think about nonprofits think about impact right sure like, absolutely you know working with a group like this you're not going to wonder if you're helping someone yeah, right? there's purpose you have like a, yeah purpose you have a yep. you have a strong purpose in the marine corps you get out and you're like what the fuck do i do mm-hmm. you know and Absolutely. a lot of people struggle with that because you know maybe you don't have to work maybe you do but then you're like, what am I doing? You know, I used to be on watch with, you know, rounds and magazines and rifles and danger. And then you're out and you're like, I don't know, whatever you're doing. But it's okay if you're, as long as you can find a purpose. And this is cool, man. This social responsibility. But, you know, like you said, skip the politics. But mm-hmm. if you can find a way to help people, it could be helping other veterans. It could mm-hmm. be helping kids like this in this country, in that country. Sure. But that Scott will not have to, you know, wonder when he goes to bed at night, huh, uh, you know, do I, is there a, you know, a reason for me being here? Yeah, man, you, you're helping these kids. I mean, life, you can't even say life changing. That's not even enough. He is like changing the course of whole communities. Country, right? I mean, if you think about the, the ripple effect, He's just right? a guy. It's just a dude. And he was a dude. He was a very wealthy dude, right? So he True. he he said, not that that doesn't matter, right? The impact you can have doesn't matter. But True. the dude went, he sold his house in Hollywood, his yacht, all of his shit, and moved to fucking Cambodia. Nah, yeah, sold everything. He sold all that, man. That's like modern day Saint Francis, pretty much, that's right? I mean, to some man. degree, absolutely. So I you think got that, tied into this, and how did you get tied in? And how did you so get out to Cambodia? The the ownership of Velcro is Australian, and Scott Neeson is Australian. So he was like on some Australian, you know, famous Australians TV show or something <laughs> like that. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and the owners were like, Hey, this guy looks interesting. Let's talk to him. And then they knew what we were, what we had started with our CSR program, right. working with kids, working with education. And they were like, Hey, we want to do this at a corporate level. Yeah. You know, go from the, the USA region to the Velcro, you know, unlimited corporate level. And, um, and we want to sponsor it there. So it, you know, since I was the CSR guy in USA, I ended up being able to go over and get learn more about it and see what they're doing and find out how we can help. So how did Velcro help? Did they like supply them with yeah stuff massive or? sponsorship every year and um and then they co-sponsored or the I believe the primary sponsor. I don't know the financial details and it's a privately held company, so I can't really share. That's right. But um, you don't need to know. <laughs> you don't need to know. All you know <laughs> is that the academy that they built was Velcro sponsored. And so the money that went into that was, there was a big chunk of it. Once again, I don't know the details, but a major portion of it was, um, was all paid for by the company. Sick, man. I mean, it's a mass, it's a big school. It's like a university. What was it like flying into Cambodia? I mean, what a cool assignment. It was cool. Yeah. Culture shock. And Um, there's some good areas too, or is it a lot of this? No, I mean, there's some good areas, some bad areas. I've been to, I mean, when I, and, and I'm, 
super generalizing, right? But whenever you get into that Pacific region, right, the terrain, the smell of the air. Sure. You know, when I was in Okinawa, Cambodia smelled like Okinawa. It smelled okay. like, you know, it smells like Hawaii. You know, it's super it. humid. It's tropical. You have all the flowers. You yeah. have bunch of people you will never see as many people on scooters as i did in <laughs> yeah. and they're like water they just flow around the cars yeah. nobody yeah. gets hit and it doesn't make sense you <laughs> somehow <know>? it works <laughs> um but it's you know it's it's very similar there but i think the real shock was you know we weren't going to the tourist areas like i had dinner one night in the touristy area um we were in the villages where there's just massive massive poverty that you cannot in the united states unless you grew up like in appalachia or something like that right. like you can't cut comprehend right. living in a cobbled together structure that's on a dump that's falling over. And there was this, there was a carnival the day that we were there, that carnival came and like, dude, it looked like something out of Mad Max. And there's these kids riding these things and they're like oh. barely held together, swinging like parallel to the ground, 10 feet in the air. They had a, um, they had a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A Ferris wheel that was powered by a guy jumping up on the, on the back when it comes around. Right, it goes up and it comes around. Yeah, I'll do it here it goes up and it comes around. When it came around, he would jump up and grab onto the back of the seats wow. and pull it. So it was a human-powered Ferris wheel. Human-powered Ferris wheel. Yes, and um, yeah. So it's just, Dang. and that was the kids were stoked. The carnival's here. The carnival's here. Right, yeah. and you're like, and I remember walking through, and I'm like, somebody's gonna die. It's like, like somebody's going to die. Yeah, like I don't even it's let horrible. my kids go in the carnival. It comes to Nashua. Some like kind of sketchy rides, but for sure. Not compared to the human-powered Ferris wheel. Damn. What'd that feel like? What'd that feel like to be a part of a mission like that where you were you're back in the suck, more so, mm -hmm. but you were there and you're making a difference? Um, it at first awkward, right? Because you're coming from this, True. this, yep. you know, like society and, and environment of excess, right? And, yeah. You know, it, it was actually like the kids would run up and they pulled the, the hairs on my arm. Because none of them, they're all small, first of all, because they're malnourished, right? Not, you know, it, nobody grows if you don't eat, right? So they're it's malnourished, true. so they're, they're smaller than you would think. These kids are like 10 and they look like they're like six, right? And, um, but they would come up and they'd pull on my arm hairs. And I remember like two of the boys like grabbed hold of my arm and I'd like pick them up and press them overhead. Yeah. They're like, you know, you're like, you're, you're like a He-Man or something. Kettlebells. You know? Exactly, right? Like yeah, little kettlebell yeah. kids. And, um. Actually, if you look at my LinkedIn picture, I think it still is. It was a picture of me holding two to the kids when I was there. And um, but then once you get over like the, um, it's it's almost like oh my god, how do I act with these people? Like I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to, I don't want them to think I'm looking down on them. Right, I don't want right. to, you know, yeah, yeah. like how do I interact with them? And once you just kind of open yourself up and just be like, like caring, like loving, caring, and yeah. like and show that that they're important, you know, it was, it was cool. It was great. Jarhead you know? mother Teresa. Exactly. Right. I mean, you'll never see it. It always strikes you amazing. Right? I mean, I have three kids. Oh, These cool. kids were, I mean, horrible conditions, right? Horrible. I mean, yeah. the, the amount of, and we didn't even get into like sexual abuse is rampant there oh, shit. and it's rampant until the kids get to like six and they can tell or fight they back. And then usually they try Fuck. to kill them. Right. So it's not, oh. it's completely common for these kids to get sexually abused and then somebody to try to kill them. And so um, you think about what they came from, that feral girl, right? Yeah. Like horrible, horrible. Yeah. And they're so happy, right? They're so happy. They're full of smiles. They're giving us hugs or they don't, you know, they don't speak great English. They're like, Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. You know? And um, it's just at, at that point, it's like, Holy shit. You see what's, you see what's important and you see the ramifications of, you know, 
focus and of belief and of yeah. passion and of chasing that. And um, yeah, it was awesome. It was an amazing, life-changing, perspective-building experience. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Cool. So, yeah. I mean, it, and, you know, half the reason we're doing this podcast is, you know, we want to shoot the shit, but it's stories like that, you know, where you can help out and, you know, you were aligned with Velcro and they were, you know, kudos to them for real, for, um, you know, stepping up, helping Scott out with his mission. Mm -hmm. And you got a chance to be part of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those kind of experiences are, are, are there. You just got to look for them. Oh, dude, they're everywhere. So we even, we looked at, um, one of the things when we were, we were building the program, um, or expanding it, um, later on was yep. we looked at, um, boys and girls club of Manchester, right? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Manchester, New Hampshire, um, there's a, I don't remember the statistics now, but there's like a, a significant percentage of the students that go to the schools there that, that are on vouchers that they eat. And the Boys and Girls Club serves an additional meal in the afternoon for these kids. So there's yeah. kids that only get to eat lunch at school. And if they go to the Boys and Girls Club, they get like a snack and quasi light dinner snack type thing. And on the days that they don't go, they don't eat. Right. And it's yeah. so it's and it's I'm not in the US. I'm not saying like three percent. I'm in talking Manchester? like fifteen percent of the kids there. Yeah. It was like some yeah. astronomical level of poverty that's that's actually out there and it's you know it's it's real and it's actionable and it doesn't take much i mean most of the time all these all you really need to do is it's either you know you give you give money but um and especially on a corporate sense a lot of the times the 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 organizations aren't looking for you to give money they're looking for something else you know a little bit more involvement an opportunity a um you know, I mean, time, spending time with them and helping them understand, help you know, tutor them. Yeah. Right. You know, and that was, you know, we, uh, we actually, um, we didn't end up sponsoring it, but we facilitated connecting Manchester Community College with the Boys and Girls Club because they do after school tutoring and Manchester oh, Community cool. College was, had an education program. Yeah. So we're like, Hey, you have students that need hours teaching. Right. And these people need people to come in and teach and tutor. So we married them together and they worked out some sort, I don't know the details of what came out of it, but they worked out a program where you could get credit hours for tutoring at the Boys and Girls Club towards your degree later on. Wow. You know, so it was a big part of what, actually really a big part of what we did in our program was more facilitating conversations between two groups that, um, that really could work together with, they didn't need us. You know, we just kind of made the connection right. and then yeah. walked away, you know, so um, and that could be some lasting change, you know, some lasting yeah, impact. Yeah. It's cool. Shit. Yeah. So that was Velcro. Velcro, man. Good times. So you did that. We did some good business. We launched some new products. Yeah. We updated the mill spec for, um, for, you know, for uh, hook and loop and uh, which is the closure, the Velcro closure, real terms, hook and loop. But, Powered uh, the army to get their moto patches on. Their, <laughs> we made sure they could put gear. all of their patches. What up army? Yes. So um, did that, and then two years or almost two years ago, in April of 2017, I left Velcro, and now I work with. How did uh, you detach? Did you <laughs> <laughs> something like that? Cheesy jokes. That's what happens. Absolutely. Good cigar. Um, yeah, and I went to Polar Tech. So I'm at Polar Tech now, and Polar Tech makes. Uh, we invented fleece, and we make See, all Polar of the cozy shit. Was the one that actually invented yeah. the fleece. Mm -hmm. Cool, because. Uh, shout out to Castro's. That's where we're at here in Nashua. This place is badass. And if you're watching on video, if you're listening, there's video. I think it's on YouTube. And you can see this amazing background. But you know what? Upstairs gets cold as shit. 
But I, I wore my fleece today, so yep. I am thankful that Polar Tech. Yeah, it looks like a Polar Tech fleece too. There looks like go. our product. There you go. Yeah, I'm thankful that they, because like I prepared this time. Last time, last podcast, I got colder and colder. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Mark, and colder and colder. But okay, so what what was the opportunity? You just saw a job posting, like hey, um, military. No. A guy I worked with at Velcro, who was there for a little bit, uh, went to Polar Tech, became their vice president of product, and um, he connected me with the uh, vice president of sales. And at, I was at SHOT Show, which is a shooting, hunting, outdoor trade show. And we just connected and had a conversation. And then it kind of went from there. And they were looking for some of their, their military program manager, government program manager's title. And, uh, but uh, what I do is I manage kind of the sales and um, product management, quasi-business development activities um, for Polar Tech with the military. Hell yeah. Yeah. So Sounds it's like a sick job. We, we met it's a, a cool job. couple, maybe a month ago and a couple months ago. And I heard that and I was like, hell yeah. But of course, here's, here's the reality. You have to get out of the military to actually get the good gear, right? Um, no, I'll <laughs> tell my, you. That's my approach. <laughs> I'll tell you, the gear, if you're in the Army specifically, because they, they have a, they, their Gen 3 Equax system is, uses a lot of our, our material. And the fleece jacket that looks like this that they get issued is the same quality as any of the premier brands that you're going to look at like they're getting good shit. The, you know, the it's product true. that they, that you guys get issued is legit. You're um, in the Marine Corps, the frog gear. So your FR midway, the grid. And if you see a fleece that has grid on it, it's our fleece. So in the military, the fleece the grid. Room, I don't know if I've seen, you know, we did have, it, a, we did have like, like a, a black fleece mm-hmm. and it had little squares on the inside. Oh, I don't know, but it, it did have like the, the, the nylon top kind of mm-hmm. like this, but it was all black. Yeah. So if you have grid, what you'll see is on the inside of it, um, the next to skin portion, there's like little squares or probably about a quarter inch or they can be smaller and whatever size, but any, we have IP on grid technology. So um, the frog uh, midway level, which is being issued right now to the Marine Corps, that's all our no melt, no drip fleece that we, that we make an issue. Hell yeah. So it's, um, it's a great job. I mean, and there's nothing like being at, you know, we go to AUSA, which is a major trade show. We're going to be at modern day Marine next year. Um it's a trade show, Modern Day Marine. Modern Day Marine. And there's yeah. East, there's West. It's um, Pendleton and uh, Quantico. And uh, so you go to those and you have people come up to you. You know, at Velcro, people are like, oh, man, your shit's too loud, right? So you're always fighting <laughs> that, just like you said, right? So you're always fighting that uh, perception. And um, But when you go and you make fleece and you make sure that it keeps people warm when, they're, when it's shitty outside and it's raining, you know, and it helps them stay warm and comfortable and dry, you know, warm, dry, cool, safe is kind of our, our focus. That's, those are the categories. Wait, what is it? Work. Warm, dry, cool, and safe. That's what our product is. Warm, gives dry, you. cool, safe. Yeah, we have different, we have all different, we have next to skin, we have weather protection, we have pretty much everything that you're looking for, right? And, um, and FR, no melt, no drip variants of it. But it's, it's a company that is so focused on having the premium product and making good shit. And, um, and making good shit at a good price point. Yeah. Um, and making sure that, you know, when I, when I put in, when an order comes in for the military, it gets priority over everything else. Hell so yeah. So U.S. military orders have priority. Um, great company, privately owned. Wait, wait, no. What's the company again? Polar Tech. Polar Tech. Right. Yeah. So Polar Fleece. When you think about Polar Fleece, polar it's Polar fleece. Tech. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I also remember there's a Coyote Brown Fleece we got too. Mm-hmm. And that was like a, that was Awesome, because otherwise it's like a skivvy shirt yep. or your, you know, your camis. Yep, that's um, our shit. What about beanies? You guys make those? Yep, your, your coyote yeah. watch cap. Hell that's yeah, coyote product. watch cap. Those things were like gold. You don't want to lose that because your yep. your stupid shaped 
naked head is going to be cold. <laughs> yep, that's um, our shit. Yeah, no, those beanies. I still have one, man. I just, it's good. It is. It, it's fantastic Comfy, product. Sleep in that thing. That for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So does that mean you're like swimming in gear at home? Um, you know, once when <laughs> I was when I was in when I worked at Natick and I was in the government office, um, I was definitely swimming in gear. And over time, I've been exposed to it for so long now that I'm not swimming in it. But what I have is good. Right, right, right. You know? So you like, yeah, you're not I went from quantity to quality. Yeah, you're you like, know? oh, let me get more. Yeah, you're just okay. You got the core stuff. Yeah, I have good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, and I mean, the other thing is our company's coming out with fantastic stuff. So if you're at Shot next week or the following week, and um, or if you're at Outdoor Retailer the week after that, please stop by our booth. You know, I'm at I'll be at the Shot Supplier Showcase in Las Vegas. Um, it's Monday, Tuesday of Shot Show Week, and um, come by the booth, man. Say hi. Come check out some new stuff. We have new No Melt No Drip domestic merino wool. Wait, wait, No Melt. No melt, no drip. So catch it on fire doesn't stick. Okay. Uh, I got a brand new fleece for Christmas for my wife mm-hmm. and I was tended to our fire because what is Christmas without a fire in the mm-hmm. fireplace? I got one little spark on like, this is the day I received it. I got one little spark on my arm and no shit. I burned a hole in my fleece. Yeah. So you're saying there's a way now the new kind of fleece. Yeah. Well we have, and it's not, we've had it for a while, but we're, what we're improving on now is we have a wool based system. Uh, so it's made out of domestically produced because what many people don't know is that if you buy a textile base, if the department of defense money goes towards a textile base, good from fiber forward, it has to be domestically. Hell it yeah. can't be, it can't be, you can't buy from China. Right. Right. It all has to be us made and it's called the berry, uh, the berry amendment. So anything has to be berry compliant. And so we have wool that comes from Colorado. Um, where else does it come from? Colorado is the big one and Montana, big, okay. you know, yep. sheep uh, ranching. And it's like merino wool, like the nicest shit that you'd buy. And we have nice. garments now and fabric that can be made into garments that is not only wool next to skin, which has amazing properties. If you Google it, look up wool, how awesome it is. It's amazing stuff, but it's also no melt, no drip. And it has improved performance. You can wash it. doesn't shrink, you Damn. know, like doesn't felt, doesn't do all this stuff. And it's, uh, uh we're launching that, um, Actually, we launched that AUSA, and we'll have it at Shot, and we'll have it at OR as well. You know, going to Vegas on business sounds uh, sounds like a rough job. It's there's you know it's it's a hard life, <laughs> you know. But it, I'll tell it's you, awesome. man, I can do like four days max. Yeah, and I'm like, I got to yeah, get out. Yeah, yeah. Right now, people are going, "Oh, it's weak, man." But no, you know, you get in mm-hmm. the business world and you know biz dev, right? You're shaking hands, kissing babies, ordering yeah, drinks. You're on. 24-7. You're on. Yeah. You're on. Yeah, there's no uh, four on, eight off, right? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> You're on, on, on. I actually, uh, last year when I was there, it's funny, uh, uh, one of our customers and a good buddy of mine, Paul Parsons, he, uh, he's like, uh, we're trying to get a meeting. We're trying to connect and, and stuff and everybody's busy. And, he's, and I, he finally calls me. He's like, listen, man, can we just go to like, I forget what it is, like Red Robin or something like that. Like it, it was in the food court, like this little burger stand in the food court. Um, he's like, I just can't go have like a dinner and be around everybody. I'm like, dude, that's perfect. Yeah, Let's go get yeah. burgers and milkshakes. You know, like yeah. I've been in Keep dinner, you know, in dinners and you know, it's just, it gets pretty intense. I mean, if, I, if you have a chance to go to SHOT Show, I would, it's amazing. It is massive. Is that the Vegas one? Yeah, it's okay. massive. Shot it's show. three floors of the convention center that's attached to the Venetian. Jeez. Three floors. It's Jeez. full. It's huge. Right? And it's packed. Um, so that is, uh, so we'll be there showcasing fabric, talking to, talk to peeps, you know, military, law enforcement, all kinds of people. 
Sounds like a blast. It's a cool job. Sounds like I have, a blast. Our CEO told me I have the best job in the company, and I wholeheartedly agree with him. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, everyone else is just making fleece back at home and you're just crushing it uh, out there. That's awesome, yep. man. It's great that you get a chance to still work with the military. And you've got a purpose, too, because you're you're getting the best gear. And, you know, sometimes people talk about, you know, some you know somebody gets some good stuff in the U.S. And they're like, well, what about the veterans, right? And mm-hmm. so it's great to see, like, the military having quality fleece, quality, you know, heat. I mean, I've been, I've been on many a frozen, you know, event out in the, out in the wilds with this desert or mm-hmm. up here in the stupid snow and, and yeah, priceless to have that. So you're, you're like equipping, you know, the next generation of Marines. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's the Marines, army, air force. I mean, we, True. we everybody, right? Post office buys our stuff. Like everybody in the government yeah, post office. You know, it's, uh, it's cool having that, um, you know, being adjacent, right. And yeah. still, still having an impact. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Right so, um, you guys hiring? Um, I'm sure there's some positions open. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Cool. cool. Why are you looking for something? You can bring on board. Just think about, you know, you know, fellow Marine out there. So that sounds like a blast. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's always stuff. I and mean, we have manufacturing in Chattanooga. We have manufacturing in Hudson, New Hampshire. Um, the, you know, the corporate offices here in Andover, Mass. So okay. um, Velcro.com, careers, look up there. I'm guarantee you there's something open. Yeah, we're, yeah. you know, we're grown. We're a great company to work for. Howling, you know, I, I can't say anything bad about the company. It's fantastic. We have great leadership, great corporate culture. Yeah, sounds it. Yeah. yeah, it's an awesome company. You got some corporate responsibility where you're at now? Um, we have uh, we have some activities we do. We're really focused on environmental. We actually most of the products that we made are made out of recycled bottles. So we've our fabric has resulted in over a billion a billion of these have been recycled and made into fabrics for uh, Polar Tech. So that's cool, man. It keeps it out of the dump, and you get to wear it. it. Keeps you warm. Yeah, and it's I mean it's polyester, right? This is this is polyester. Same thing. It's gonna be made. So it's the same the same plastic in a bottle as. Uh, yeah, kind of what you're wearing. PET. Yep, it's the same. Uh, it's the same. Uh, what is the term? Chemical, if you will. Plastic yeah. substrate. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, it's it's cool that we do this. We have a new product that we're launching called Power Air, and it oh, uh, nice. it works specifically on um, trapping. So if you look in the news, microfibers are kind of a big deal right now, yeah. and um, microfiber microplastics get into the waterways. And um, it decreases any kind of shedding or anything like that. So it's uh, it's an amazing focus on how we can address this, get in front of it, make sure that we're doing the right thing. Um, our products already are high quality. They don't shed much at all, you know, compared to other, you know, kind of commodity fleeces and cheaper products that are out there. But they're we're like also, piling that like that weird. Well, it's uh, like when you, when you wash it. Like yeah, a bit it gets comes all off. nasty. Yeah. 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 So power, uh, power, power air does not do that because all the fibers are trapped. You know, and it's um, still super warm, super sexy looking. Um, it's cool. Adidas is launching some products. I think there's some other companies too. So. I've definitely bought some shitty fleece where you wash it once and then that mm-hmm. sexy look is gone. Mm-hmm. And now you, now you got that nor- Northeastern grandma look. Exactly. No offense, grandma. Yeah, the focus is, you know, buy <laughs> good stuff, man. This is this kind of comes back to early on we were talking about, you know, like, like have your focus, yeah. buy good stuff, work your, you know, work your body, stay healthy. Stay engaged. Don't look for the easy route. Yeah, yeah. Don't look for disposable stuff. Get that struggle in there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, we got people turning on TV and everything. Live studio audience. live. Yeah. 
the show will begin later. <laughs> right on. Well, this is cool, man. What, what's how can people connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn, what's good? You know? uh, LinkedIn, uh, Will Tagey. So if you, there's not many of us. So if you Google it, spell that. Uh, last name is Tagey, T A G Y E, Tango, Alpha, Golf, Yankee, Echo. Still got it. And um, yeah, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. That's about it. That's it, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming, man. This is Dude, cool. Dude, thank you for having me. This, this is, is awesome. Fun, fun. So everyone out there, man, hey, this has been fun. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all the next time. That's right. Keep it real. Simplify. Keep it real. Simplify.